Today, what we want to do is continue with our series, and the series basically is assuring the success of the coming generations. Assuring the success of coming, the coming generations. Uh, we started with a, a message to enlighten us about judges and what happened there when people really, uh, they didn't know the Lord. And so we started there, and that's our base uh, scripture, foundation scripture. Joshua dismissed the people, and they went to their inheritance. Then uh, it stated that Joshua, as long as he was living and the elders with him, they, the people, followed the Lord. They followed the Lord. But when Joshua died, the people started getting a little shaky. The generation that was with Joshua, the elders and the generations with them, died out. And it said, unfortunately, that the people did not know the Lord. And so the first message we taught after that, part one, was how do we know when we know the Lord? The second message, last week we talked about how do we take it further? Because we know the Lord, but do we know him like we want to know him? And so we talked about the need to know him more. That was last week. This week, what we want to do is go a little further and talk about how do we actually go further. We know we need to, but how do we? That's today's message. So we're going to talk about two ways. There are many ways, many, many ways that we can um, really take it a little further. Many ways, but we're going to only talk about two today uh, because we're going to, I really want to try to get you out early. I've been trying for 14 years to, <laughs> to finish by quarter to 12. So somebody will say, what? I can't believe it. Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened. Today might be the day, though. Might be the day. Uh, but the first way really is to read, study, meditate, and memorize the Word of God. If we're going to know God more, that's one way how we can know Him more. You have to do that. Because we know that in the beginning, it says in the Gospel of John 1 1, in the beginning, was the, and the word was with, and the word was. Now, so the word was God. If we don't want to know the word, how are you going to know God more? It also says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, that he is the way, he's the truth, and he's the Life. So he's the truth, right? He's the truth. Well, what is the truth? What is the truth? What is truth? They, um, somebody asked Jesus, what's the truth? Well, it says in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 17, sanctify them, it could be in, by, through, the truth. Thy word is truth. That's what it says. Now, if his word is true, if Jesus is the word, then obviously, if we're going to know God more, the way we're going to know him more is to 
Study the word. Read the word. Memorize the word. Um, meditate on it. How are we, why, why meditate on the word? You're going to meditate because meditation brings memorization, and it keeps your mind stayed on him. And you want to memorize it because um, the psalmist said that that word I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, so you keep that word with you. That's the bottom line on why I asked the teenagers to uh, read the Bible, the entire Bible, through in three months. Plus, I wanted to test the, uh, the theory out because you remember when we started the year, I said that, well, they say that you can read the Bible in 90 days, the total Bible. And in the audio, dramatized version of the Bible, if you listen to it, it's less than, uh, you know, the number of hours. If you read an hour or hour a day, you'll get through in 30, 30, 30 uh, 90 days. So I said, let's test this out with the teenagers. Well, sometimes uh, people may think that teenagers, they're not, they can't focus enough to do that. But I say they can. Teenagers are smart. Matter of fact, uh, young people, like, 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 say, like Daniel, how smart was he? You know, Daniel was pretty tough, wasn't he? And I believe that teenagers are, are awesome. I believe that the King David, before he was king, a uh, little teen, I believe, that, I believe he was tough. What do you think? He was tough. So the teens I gave that challenge is, I want you to read the Bible through in 90 days during the summer months. And I think some people did it. Uh, those who did, I want you to come up. We want to recognize you, uh, if we have any, in here. Okay. I want to ask them some questions, theological questions about him. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. But I would like to read your scripture, though. Um, it says that, really, I know I promised you money, but it says that, <laughs> it says <laughs> that wisdom is better than silver or gold, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that true? I know you read it, didn't you? <laughs> you read through the Bible, you got to have read the thing, you know. Well, 2 Timothy 3.16, I want to read you that, and I want to start in verse 14. And I'm speaking to all the teens, all the teens. They're just representing the teens over here. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And, of course, Paul's talking to Timothy, so... We know he learned those things from uh, his grandmother, his mother, um, but he also learned them from, from Paul. And it says here, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom. And so you all got a bunch of that this, this, uh, this summer. That leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God, and that man is uh, 
in the Strong's Concordance, Nimrus is 444. Anthropos, it means human being. Okay, so that includes women. Okay. That, uh, let's say, the person of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So as you all have read the Bible thoroughly, uh, I need to ask you that also. Uh, did you read from Genesis to Revelation? Did, did you do maps? Did you look at the maps? You didn't look at the maps? Oh, see there? Oh, I, can't tell, I can't believe that. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Emily, this is a gift to you, Diana, and Celeste. Okay? And when you open it now, okay? Uh, <laughs> good. Yeah, this... Uh, it's a, it's a surprise in there, okay, a surprise, okay? Uh, are y'all stand for youth group? You might want to send that home by your parents, <laughs> okay? But it's yours to spend. I told you all that it's yours. Your parents can't touch it. Don't let them touch it. You know what I'm saying? So, I know him. I know him. He'll touch it, okay? Let's, let's stand and give him a hand. That was great. Great. Come on. Come on. You need cheerleaders. They need cheerleaders. Praise God. Woo, woo, woo. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, girls. Thank you. I didn't even read the Bible through this summer. My goodness gracious, they are tough. They are tough. Now, let's go to the second one. That was number one. So I'm giving you two. We might finish before quarter twelve. I don't know. You remember last week I asked you to read the rest of Second Peter. Let's turn to Second Peter, and we'll start there. And we know that Simon Peter wrote it. Basic part of it, and it says. Simon Peter, a bond servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith the same as ours, by the righteousness of God and the Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, before we go right from verse 3, which we did last week, 3 and 4, we're starting on 5. Today, I want to jump right over to verse 8. Let's start there. For if these qualities, let's talk about the qualities that's above, are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling and choosing of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Now, we want to start there because we said that how do you really Get to know God better, more. 
how do you do it? We know that we should, we know that we need to, but how do you do it? We know we're going to read the scripture, that's one. We're going to meditate on it, that's two. We're going to study it, we're going to memorize it. We're going to confess it, we're going to share it, we're going to do all those type of things. But here on number two, the second way you can get to know more about God is that you're going to have to practice some things. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to make some movement. We can't be Christians that's going to be sitting still. Now, I'm going to give you a visual here in a few minutes, a picture visual, but I'm going to give you a word picture now. It says here in verse 10, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make your calling and choosing make it sure, make, make it certain, make it firm, make it fixed. And a word I like to use, uh, sometimes people use it, seal it. Uh, uh, I like to use the word clench it, you know, clench it. In in sports, you, you can set, let's say, a, a football game, because football season's in now, and maybe ice hockey, maybe this in now, um, volleyball, soccer, things like that. But sometimes the game is on the line. It's close. You don't know which way it's going to go. And you can, you can have, a, let's say, a, a three-point lead, but the other team has the ball. And... He's going down the field. They're on the 20-yard line, but they got to go to the length of the field to kick a field goal to tie it or touchdown to win it. And the quarterback drops back, throws a pass, and it's intercepted. That's clinching your victory because there's only 15 seconds left in the game. It's only six seconds left in the game. It's only a minute left in the game. It's only two minutes left in the game. It, it is clinched. It's over with. Unless you fumble, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's over. And it could be the same thing in a uh, basketball person at the free throw line, and you have a one-point lead. You got two free throws, two seconds left in the game, and you make them. It's clinched. Done. That's what God is saying in the scripture here, is that he wants you to make certain of your calling and your choosing, he wants to make sure it's clinched. That's what he wants to make sure. Somehow, when this letter was penned by Peter, somehow he was thinking that if we look over in verse, let's look at verse um, 4. It says, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Somehow he is putting together that for a Christian we are not supposed to be on the borderline of not making it. 
You understand? We should, as, as a Christian, we should not be just like the world. We shouldn't be just like the world. It shouldn't be any contest between a, a person of the world and a, and a Christian. No contest of, of what they do, what they say, how they act. It shouldn't be any contest. It shouldn't be any doubt about it. That's what he's thinking. Because he said in verse 3, seeing that by his divine power has granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that's called us to his own glory and excellence, he's saying that, yes, divine power has given you Christians, all Christians, has given you the ability to have eternal life, but also to live a godly life. We're supposed to have a godly life. We're not supposed to be ungodly. We can't be ungodly. We're godly. We can't be ungodly. But we can't be acting like we're ungodly either. It shouldn't be in a contest. Well, he's saying, clench this thing. Clench it. Well, if your theology is right, you'll say, well, if I am called, if I am chosen, and that word chosen in the scripture here, if you look in the King James, it was it, it would say something different. Uh, let's look over in uh, Thessalonians. Let's look, look there uh, in chapter one and see what it says there about this calling, about this choosing, per se. Uh, we start at verse two. We give thanks to God always. For all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly being in mind of your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren, beloved of God, his choice of you. The King James said his election of you. The same thing. Election means choice. Well, why should we be clenching it if it's already clenched? Why should we be doing that? Why should we have to do anything if it's already clenched? You see? Let's look in uh, Ephesians. These are just a couple of three verses I want to show you so we get our minds ready for this clenching. In verse 4, it says, Just as he chose, that's the same word, that chose us in him, when did that happen? When did it say it happened? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be on the borderline. We don't have any fruit. What should it be? We should be holy and blameless before him. You see, Paul... And Peter, they have the same knowledge here, same thought here. It's the same thing. If you're a Christian, you are going to have a holy and a blameless walk. Simple as that. They go together. You can't separate them. You cannot separate that. Well, how is it that, that, that they can't be separated then? Because, see, sometimes... It, it looks like you can separate it. It looks like, you know, some, sometimes Christians, um, we, 
look just like the world. Well, let's look over in Romans. Chapter 8. We're just looking a little bit before we go back to Peter. Peter, we're going to just look a little bit. Now it says in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He predestined them to look just like the world? How, what are we supposed to be predestined to do? Be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what it says, doesn't it? There's no doubt. When you are chosen, you're going to be conformed. But we still have to clinch this thing. See, I'm trying to tell you, you got to clinch this thing. You say, I don't believe it, I don't believe it. Okay, look in Romans. Uh, you're already there, chapter 12, verse 1 2. Because it tells us, but you sometimes we don't put it together. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service of worship. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that. The will is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is. We have to do something. We have to, we have to participate with the sanctification process because God is going to move us from glory to glory. He's going to move us from one degree of sanctification to another degree of sanctification. God is going to move us, but we have to do something. We have to be conformed to Jesus Christ. We have to not be conformed to the world. Now, this conformed to the world in Romans 12 that means that it's like don't let the world press you into this mold. That's an outward thing. Like I, the demonstration I always think of the word picture is pouring a cake batter into a bunt pan, then it's going to come out looking just like that pan. That's an outward thing. But when it says that you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that conform is different. That conform is an inside transformation. That's what it is. As well as outside. You are, and I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, but we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ on the inside because we've been given a new heart, haven't we? We have a new spirit, don't we? Our spirit is alive now, isn't it? It's not dead spirit. See, it's a work on the inside. That's why we have to do something with this thing. Okay? We have to do something with this thing. Let's go back to Peter. We got to clinch this thing. You say, I still don't understand why you have to clinch this thing because it's already done. I'm telling you, you have to clinch this thing. We're going to look in chapter 2, 2 Peter chapter 2. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 2, It says here, we start in, in verse 18. We start here. It says, it's talking about the false teachers. It's talking about their characteristics, and then it's going to go on and talk about the people who they deceive. It says that for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice 
meaning false teachers, entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Barely escape from the ones who live in error. So we're talking about a group of people that these false teachers are enticing, people who have barely escaped from the people who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. So you have uh, false teachers who are enslaved to all kind of lusts and desires, trying to get other people free, they say free, not knowing that they are trying to enslave people. It says in verse 20, for if, and see the, let's listen and see that you, have you read this before? For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Have you heard that before? What did you hear? Hmm? Come on. In verse 3 and 4. Oh, didn't, didn't you hear it? We just read it in chapter 1, right? Okay, that's, that's, it's the same thing. See, over here in, 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 in chapter 1, it said in verse 4, by these he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And here it says that for, in verse 20 of chapter 2, for if after they have escaped the, the defilements and the, uh, of the world, by the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. They are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better if they had not even known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed down to them. It has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mouth. So uh, some people use this to say, well, you can lose your salvation. Uh, that's not why it's here. Um, this, this person here, or these people here, they have come out of a situation trying to uh, walk a holy walk, but they are not yet holy. They haven't been changed on the inside. And so they have barely escaped the errors of those who are in the world. And here they are being influenced by, by, by Christianity. I was one. I was sitting up in this church. Oh, I don't know how many years ago I've been this Maybe 25, 26, 27, 28, 29 years that you invited me to church. Um, I was just sitting up in this church, and there's a loss as a goose. Really? A goose is pretty lost now. Okay? And, but I had, I had, I had gone up and joined a church when I was young. I'd been baptized in the Tar River, that's in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, uh, back in the whatever, 90s. <laughs> and, um, uh, 
<clears throat> I thought I was pretty cool, Jackie. I thought I was pretty cool. I thought I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Matter of fact, I'm better than some of you to go to church, uh, I would tell myself, looking at other Christians. Just as lost as a goose. Just, but I, I, I did say some words. I joined the church. I did get wet. I really did. It was cold. I got wet. But there was no change on the inside. Do you hear what I'm saying? You cannot just try to lead people to make a confession after you and then expect them to be all that they are necessarily. Don't leave it to that. That's, that's part of it. That's, that's a great start. But the person has to believe in their heart. There has to be a change. There has to be a change. And there was no change in these people. So it tells us over here, turn back to chapter 1, verse 10, clench it. It says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling and choosing. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Let's revert verse 11. For in, the, in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. So I said, okay, now I need to, to understand what God is saying here. I can't sit in the river. If you have a boat and you put it in the river or in the ocean, uh, let's look at the visual here. If you don't have a motor on that bad boy, uh, <laughs> or a sail, or some oars, and you just sit there in your Christianity on this water, this water is moving. It's not a man-made lake that's, that's not going anywhere. That water is moving. You will find yourself washed somewhere. Do you hear what I'm saying? Rivers flow somewhere. You just can't sit there and expect to do something. And Today, as we're looking at this, I say the river, I'm, I'm, we, it can be a minute of different things. It can represent the Holy Spirit. It can be limited. Today, I'm saying it's the, it's the world. The river, the flow of the world system is going to take us downstream. Where it ends, I don't know. It depends on the river, right? It can go over falls. You, I mean, you can tear your boat up. I mean, it can go anywhere, right? You don't know. Okay, thank you. Now, that's what God is saying, is that now that you are born again, make your calling and your choosing sure. And I praise God that, that the word went forth in this church because it made me aware you remember I read to the teenagers that the word of God is, is good, isn't it? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to teach you, instruct, rebuke. And when you listen to the word, you say, whoa, my goodness, you know. And I found out that I, I, I didn't have any fruit whatsoever except what I had when I came to Lynchburg, Virginia. And the only fruit that is is what I brought from home, and the only fruit that is is 
is what I learned from my grandma, my, I call her my grandma, my aunt. And the only way I had that is because she beat everything else out of me, you know. Yeah. But don't, that's the only thing I had. I didn't have any, any, any godliness. I didn't have any, any of this fruit of the spirit. I didn't have any of that stuff. Didn't have any of it. And do you know that people can sit in churches and they can learn all the right terms? They can go to Sunday school, learn all the stories, and still not be born again. We need to be going somewhere because it says so. Be not, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So therefore, let's go back to chapter 1, and we're in verse, uh, let's pick it up in verse 5. 2 Peter 1, 5. We read 2 and 4, 2, 3, 4. We did that. Now, for this very reason, what very reason? Because what he said in in four and three, that he's granted us precious promises that by partaking of these, this is divine nature, we're going to escape the corruption of the world. For this very reason, also applying all diligence, all earnest effort in your faith. So now that you, you, you're in the faith, now let's start moving. Let's start rowing. Let's start putting the sail up. Let's, let's start the engine. Let's go somewhere with this thing. It's got to be diligence. It, ha- it can't be something that's, that you haphazardly do. You can't do that. You can't be laid back in the Christian walk. We've got to be diligent to add to that faith, to supply, it says to supply, and the King James may say add, seven supplements. It's like vitamins, yeah? nutrients. Seven supplements. Add to it moral excellence. You got to do that. Add to it more excellence. Courage. Fortitude. You got to add to that. Then it says, add to that knowledge. Knowledge. Now, this knowledge is not the same knowledge. This knowledge right here is not the same knowledge of the knowledge that, that was up in the, in the first in the, in the th- chapter, in verse 3. This knowledge is fragmented. Knowledge is not that personal, uh, experiential knowledge where you have the personal relationship with you. It's not that knowledge. But you still have to have some, some uh, facts. You have to learn something when you study the word of God. You're learning something. Then it says, and to your knowledge add self-control. What's self-control? That's temperance, isn't it? You've got to add temperance. Now, you, you don't add these things... Uh, one at a time. I am through with more excellence, so now I'll start on knowledge. I am through with knowledge, so I'll start on... No, you don't do that. All of us is working together. You're doing it all at the same time. I'm trying to yield myself, my mind, to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do to bring sanctification to my life. I'm trying to move from where I am to move where God wants me to be because God wants me to move. He doesn't want me to stay the same. My attitude has to be changing. I can't keep the same attitude about things that I had when I, when I came into Christianity. Do you, do you understand? And some of us 
have bad attitudes about things. Come on, tell the truth about it. We do. You know, if you, if you say you don't have any bad attitudes about anything, you're lying. I know you have some bad attitudes. Because we, 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 we come into this thing from Adam, don't we? We have, we have this, this, this nature about us. We want our way, don't we? Yeah, we want our way. We get mad if we don't get our way, right? So I got to add self-control to these things here. I want to be self-controlled. I want to be tempered in things. I don't want to be out of control. I don't want everything to master me. I want to master things. Then it says, add to that, perseverance. So I want to take another supplement. It's perseverance. And that perseverance is not long-suffering with people. This perseverance is is hubomino. This is, this is what is, you got to stay under your situation. I don't care what your situation is, you got to hang in there and stay under that situation. You got to endure that situation. That's what perseverance is, enduring, enduring. You're never going to give up. You're never going to let, I don't care because someone said I got arthritis. I don't care if you have arthritis, you, you hang in there. Don't give up, right? Don't give up. You know, you can do something with that thing. Pray. Ask God. You see? The promises are supposed to be out there so that we can, by these promises, be partakers of the divine nature. So God wants us to know the promises, and he promised us things, many things in the scripture. Doesn't he? Yeah. Many things in the scripture. Healing, peace, all these things. I mean, so many things. I'm not going to give up. I don't care what situation come my way. I don't care what they're doing on the, you know, on the job. I don't care what happened here. I'm not going to give up. Giving up is, is losing hope. How can a Christian lose hope in the God of hope? You have the God of hope. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you as God, and he is the God of hope. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't give up. There's always hope. Regardless of the situation, there's hope. In your perseverance, add the other supplement, godliness. Godliness. We have have an attitude towards God that's, my goodness gracious God, I understand. You know, I have piety towards you. I have reverence towards you. I love you, God. You see, I love you, God. It's an attitude of devotion, of loyalty to God. Then it says, and into your godliness, brotherly kindness. Now he takes it from, from him to your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Brotherly kindness. And that's one of those words that, that they, they, they name Philadelphia after. And that's the city of what? Brotherly love. Brotherly love. See, he said, I want you to add to, I, I know you have a, now such a loyalty and such a reverence for me. Now, I want you to have love for one another. And we say, oh, you're going too far, God. You, know, you don't understand. You know? yeah. Sister, bad attitude. When I look at her, man, she's... Uh, God wants us to add to that brother kindness, doesn't he? 
And it says in your brotherly kindness, love. Now he's taking it from one another in, in the church. And he said, oh, I want you to love even your enemies. I want you to love everybody. And I want you to love with the kind of love that I loved you with. Is it a work or not? Is it any time to sit in our little boat and drink Kool-Aid? Yeah. And let the, you know, just, just listen to the waves. Because I'm going to take a nap. You know, I'm going to take a nap. For the next five years. The boat might end up in Hong Kong. You know, somewhere. You know, you start over here in the United States. You may be anywhere. Because it, it's going to move, isn't it? It's going to move. So that's what he's saying. Now, then listen to verse 8. Let's put it in, and we're putting them in context. For if these qualities are yours and are stagnant, increasing, increasing, they render you neither <laughs> useless, okay, neither useless nor unfruitful in what? in the true knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's telling us this is how you add to the knowledge of God. This is how you gain more knowledge of God. You're going to have to have these supplements. You're going to have to move. And not only these, it's just seven, it's, you know, seven represents completeness something. You know there are other, other supplements. You know that. Because you're going to be adding to it because we going to be just like Christ, right? We're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, right? We got to be like him. So we can't rest in nothing, nothing that we are now, because we are not all that. Do you hear what I'm saying? Right? We'll be all that when he takes us home. But right now, we got this flesh. Then it says, for he who lacks these things, these qualities, is blind. They're blind. <laughs> now, this, this blind is, 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 a, is not dealing with your eyes. It's actually dealing with your mind. It's a lack of understanding. That's what it is. It's saying that it really, when you look it up in the in, in, in the study aids and stuff like that, it, it'll say some names that I won't name because uh, you tell your children, don't call them that. You know? uh, it's a lack of understanding. Uh, your mind, here's a word that, 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 that would be acceptable in here. Uh, the word would be oblivious. Oblivious. You've seen somebody like that. They are oblivious to the fact that they're supposed to do something. And that's what God is saying, is that you're blind. That means you're oblivious to the fact that you have been, it says right here, purified from your former sins. You can't rest in the river and go backwards to Egypt. You can't do that. You have to move forward and say, Blind or short-sighted, you see. And that, that short-sighted is, is the same 
type of thing is, is that, you know, in the natural short side, somebody's only seeing here. But see, in our, in, in our mental state, because it's still, still to do with the mind, we don't even think ahead. We can't even see ahead. We can't even see that we are in a warfare. People are oblivious to the fact that we're in a warfare, that there are principalities, there are powers, there are rules of doctrine, there are spiritual wings in heavenly places, and they are wiping us out, and we think we're okay. You see? They're oblivious. And all, all God's trying to do is yield, because let me tell you, you cannot, I cannot, do these things and achieve any of these supplements, we can't do it on our own. It's not in us to do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. It's impossible to do it on your own. You can't be self-controlled. You can't be uh, uh, any of these qualities persevere. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit changing us. You can't do it. You can't do it. If we could, we didn't need Jesus, did we? But yet it says, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling and choosing for as long as you practice, you see, practice these things, you will never stumble. Well, I thought you said I couldn't do it. Well, you can't do it. But the Spirit of God will tell you I want you to do this. You're not supposed to say, I can't. You're supposed to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will take this step, even though I don't think I can do this thing. You take the step. But realizing that when you take the step, it's really not you taking it anyway. It's him. Because any step I take, I'm only standing erect because God has have strengthened my body till I can stand erect. Do you hear what I'm saying? Anybody with, with, with back problems will know that if it weren't for God, you wouldn't be standing up. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and by the way, we do have um, one of the teenagers in the hospital, Daisy. Uh, she's had uh, operational appendix and everything, so uh, she came out of uh, great, uh, so she's in general. Uh, but little Daisy was hurting. You see? It doesn't take much to hurt somebody. I mean, you, your whole body's hurting. She can't do nothing but lay down. That's all she can do, and take pain medication because something is wrong with something in her body. It, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take much now. You, you hear what I'm saying? We have to be thankful to God that we are sitting upright, we are standing upright, we can get up, we can walk. We have to thank God. We can do nothing apart from him. But yet, we have to do something because we have to do what he asks us to do. But as I do, I know it's thank you, Jesus. I'm walking. Praise God. I don't take it. I don't take it for granted because yesterday my foot was hurting. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I was like, I said, man, I'm not that old. What's wrong with my foot? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But this thing is all right now. Praise God. 
Aren't y'all happy that you're okay? As okay as you are, right? And if you're not, if you say, well, I'm, you know, yeah, I got this, I got running. Well, tell God, hey, give me more. Take, I mean, just whap it to me. You know, no, you don't want that. Because he won't do it anyway. <laughs> but Satan was glad to do it. This is what he's telling us to do. For in this way, verse 11 says, the interest to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would be abundantly supplied to you. And anybody sitting in the congregation, anybody, anybody hanging around you and say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, and you don't see the fruit one, not one, not fruit one. If they're around long enough, they're hearing that word long enough, see, it separates you from them because you're growing, you're moving, you're flowing. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't act like you used to act. You don't have the same attitudes you have. You don't complain like you used to complain. Come on. You're growing. You see what I'm saying? In sanctification. Yeah. Praise God. Let's stand. I tried to get there by quarter to 12. I don't know what happened to that thing.